Elmer, is this a snuggle film? Uh, you're in the wrong house, lady. How could you allow this in the room where we do puzzles? Uh, uh, honey, please, just listen to what I have to say. All right. I owe the Mafia money. Oh. Where are you going? Away from you. When will you be back? I don't know. Who's going to watch the kids? You are. Me? But I'm the father. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount, the podcast where you are always guaranteed a series of horny events. This week we're here to review episode GABF18. It is the bonfire of the manatees. I'm Dando. I'm Guy, and yes, we are coming to you live from a planet satisfaction. Man, what a good place that would be to go visit. Oh, oh, I think I want to live there. Too much satisfaction is never a good thing. Oh, oh, can you have too much satisfaction? That's a question for you. I, I like to think we live in Satisfaction Town, Dando, mm-hmm. aka Geelong, you know, the centre of satisfaction. Satisfaction for your taste buds. There's plenty of good eateries around here. That's true, and you know some of my favourite people are Erin uh, G Town. Um, you know the lovely Louise, Mr Dando, me mum, all, all manner of nice people from G Town. So um, yes, Satisfaction City, let's call it. Um, hey, you know what wasn't entirely satisfying? This episode. Didn't like it. <laughs> Um, not the best comeback. We're, it's season 17, folks. We are now reviewing the 17th season of The Simpsons. This was episode one. And look to mine, not off to the best start. Some good bits in it, but it all, also some bits that just did not sit well with your pal Guy Davis. Bit of a mishmash for me. I sort of I thought the the setup was quite fun with the um with the porn and all that kind of thing. With Fat Tony getting involved, because you see that we've had this story so many times now. Homer and Marge fighting. It's just like ah, oh, this again. So it sort of feels like at least they addressed it in this one here though. Like you know, Marge is sort of aware you do the same spiel every time. The thing is, like, why do you always go back to him? Mm. <laughs> but in this one here, it's not like Homer was an absolute asshole. We've all been in a situation where we've made silly decisions. He's done, he's done this before where he's made a silly a silly bet. He borrowed money from Fat Tony, so in turn, the only way to get the family out of it was to film a porn at his house. But he tried to get Marge and Lisa out of the house. He didn't want them to know. It wasn't like he was deliberately being an asshole. He was just like, all right, what's the best way to fix this situation? How can I fix this? All right. And things just didn't go to plan. And obviously, the thing was for me, though, is Marge just getting up and leaving the kids. I just sort of went, <laughs> poor kids. Like, <laughs> Maggie needs you, Marge. What are you doing? <laughs> if this guy sucks so much that you're willing to bash into his car three or more times, take the kids with you. This guy does not, should not be uh, supervising small children. And by the way, Dando, uh, just your whole thing on that. I beg to differ. I'm sorry, because I wrote down at least twice during my notes. Hang on. Let me write, let me say this verbatim. Geez, Homer, you suck. <laughs> A few notes later, yes, Homer continues to suck. <laughs> at, at what point? What, the whole taking the bet? Uh, no, no, it's, it's a little later on. I think um, I've just written, "Geez, Homer, you suck." I'm trying okay. to figure out what part of this, what part of the episode this happens in. But I think it's just before the introduction of one Caleb Thorne. So I'm trying to remember the actual scene. We will, we will go through this, and that's mm. the bit that I'll say. Ah, that's when Homer really sucked. Because you're right. I didn't mind the 
I guess, set up and maybe even the first third or first half of the episode, because you're right. I mean, people have done stupid things and tried to cover them up from their significant others. You know, no one wants to be seen badly by the one they love. Um, and you're right, he also tries to do it in a way that, that's not lying by admissions, like, well, you know what, Marge doesn't know where I heard her. I can understand that, even if I don't condone it. I mean, I didn't think he was horrible. He's done certainly done worse things in the past to get Marge angry. Um, you know, even for example, like you didn't like the episode with the um the van one where he buys the caravan, Homer. Oh yeah, uh, RV. Some, uh, home away from Homer? No, no, that was the, that was like one towards the end. That's what I was thinking as that well. Was. No, 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 mobile Homer is what it's called. Mobile. It's mobile yeah. home. There we go. Uh, yeah, he, I, I didn't mind that one either, but you thought, you know, he was a dick for, you know, at least in this one, he wasn't spending like the family savings. You know, he was just, he made a silly bet, borrowing money from the from the, the game mafia. Mm. <laughs> did like that part. I don't know. Maybe because, I mean, I know we're watching these week by week and there should be some sort of reset that goes in, but yeah, it just feels so often that we're watching the same story. Homer fuck up. <laughs> and, you know, by the end of the uh, 25 minutes or so, Marge has forgiven him. And, you know, at the end of this one, skipping to the end, you know, she takes him back because, like, oh, you're just like one of these uh, big dumb manatees that I sort of look. I mean, admittedly, he did a good deed by standing up for the manatees against these um, against these jet ski douchebags. But in doing so, he only, he also said, I, I would be the guy doing this as well if it wasn't for me trying to get back with my wife. Yeah, it, it's indicative of the way the show went in the early 2000s, I think. I'm, I'm sorry to keep bringing up the whole Family Guy comparison and that kind of thing, but it really... I mean, I'm not a huge Family Guy follower. I mean, I know what it's about, I know it's tone and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't really a huge fan of it. But watching it, it's been like, oh, yeah, you can really feel the influence of those other shows in there. They're trying... It's... Sorry to repeat myself, but yeah, it's trying to be edgy and... Oh no, The Simpsons doesn't need that much edge. Well, I was I was surprised they had um, Caleb Thorne come out and say to Marge, "No, the problem it's it's you. It's, you're the, you're the problem here because you kept expecting him to change, despite the fact that he's never actually. Mm. This is still the same person you married twenty years ago. So it's kind of that's like, correct. Yeah, so you've actually pointed that to the audience now. So it's like, why is she still with this guy? He's clearly yeah. not going to change. <laughs> yeah, but also at the end when she's you know. Say, oh, yeah, you're like a big dumb manatee. I'm like, well, yeah, because a relationship based on pity is just, <laughs> we got a rock-solid foundation. Mm, yeah. You compare the Homer fucking up and Marge taking him back in the earlier seasons compared to this, and it's just it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I don't know if one of our fine patrons, or even you, Dando, or someone else who likes The Sims, because there are people out there who do, um, put a link up to one of the early episodes where I think Homer was feeling a bit of self-pity or, you know, not feeling a bit down on himself and Marge thinks you are so beautiful uh, to him at the end. It's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the episode where he gets the hair and then loses the hair at the end and he's yeah. feeling sort of, you know, he's, he's feeling embarrassed and he doesn't feel, he feels ugly, basically. He, he feels less feel, of a man, yes. Exactly, and then Marge thinks that. Uh, and it's as just as like, dudes who lose their hair sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and you watch that and, you know, from people who have been like yourself and myself who have been married, it's just like, that's just like so awesome. <laughs> that, like, oh, yeah. That, you can see why, you can see why the show became such a success when you watch scenes like that. Like that, mate, you forget you're watching mm. an animated series when you watch scenes like that. In this yeah, one absolutely. here, you're left scratching your head going, yeah, but why are you going back to it? This doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> I, I've, I've remembered now why I was saying uh, Homer sucks so much, and it really wasn't anything to do with Marge. It was when he goes to see 
the quote unquote country cousins. This, and yeah. he's just sort of ragging on them all the time, even though there's like these, you know, lovely, sophisticated tree changer types. Yeah. You know, and Homer's just ragging on them for really cheap laughs, you know. And I know they're meant to be at the expense of Homer because he's like, yeah, these people are so much more sophisticated than the city Simpsons. But I don't know. It's a joke that just didn't really work for mine or a series of gags and didn't really work. Also primarily because have we ever seen these country cousins before or anything like that? We've never seen these guys before. And I've just got in my notes at the start here, the cousins really could have used a bit more explaining. I don't think we even get their names. We don't, to the best of my recollection. It's so confusing. It's like you've introduced these cousins for the sake of having the gag of, oh, look, you know, they're... Homer thinks they're hillbillies when they're the opposite. Even if anything, he's the hillbilly compared to them. But it's yeah, they've got no names. Why should if you don't even give them a name? Why should we care? Precisely, and I kind of like the characters as well. I mean, I think that they could be really quite unquote useful. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing these kind of recurring characters. Yeah, I, I can see if I'm, there's because I remember there was one of the Simpsons writers or maybe producers, whatever, did once say that. We were careful not to introduce more Simpsons family members because mm-hmm. it's like it's not that it steals the limelight away from the Simpsons, but when you think of the Simpsons, you're supposed to think of the core. If you start yes. adding distant family relatives here, there, and everywhere, it's just like, oh, so they're also Simpsons. But or, or, are these guys Simpsons? I guess they are Simpsons because they're homeless. Well, what, who knows? <laughs> the explanation is how we cousins, oh, our dogs our, are brothers. Yeah. And I was mm. like, what? <laughs> What the fuck? What the the fuck? (laughs) It's very confusing. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that. But um, yeah, but you've you've, you've turned me around now. Now, not that I didn't like this episode, but I think I liked it more before speaking to you. (laughs) Okay, but as we found, Mister Dando, you know, as we go through the episode, we'll probably you know cherry pick the bits that we like, and by the end, we'll go, oh, that wasn't that bad. Did Maybe. you like Alec Baldwin as Caleb Thorne? I always like Alec Baldwin, even though, you know, it. I mean, I'm sorry, one of the great voices of, you know, modern art and entertainment. Just that, I love that voice. Um, but it didn't, he, he, like actors sometimes do when they're on, on The Simpsons, he, not really being Alec Baldwin, playing a character this time around. I mean, he, and he sort of dialed down his traditional... Alec Baldwin-ness, shall we say. Um, it wasn't a great guest performance. I don't think you would have even really known it was Alec Baldwin unless someone told me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you'd... Yeah, when, when, he, when um, Caleb Thorne made his first appearance and he starts talking, I'm going, well, I knew Alec Baldwin was a, was a, a guest star in this, so I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be him. And I'm listening, it's like, well, this sounds like an Alec Baldwin impersonator. Did they get William Baldwin or maybe Stephen Baldwin? And then after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, it is him. But, it, yeah, you're right. It takes you a second. And for someone whose voice is so distinctive, uh, yeah, that's a little unusual. But, you know, this was actually the um, originally pitched when they were coming up with ideas for the movie. And Al Jim was considering this to be the movie story. And they realised, pro- I don't know what the <laughs> reason was. Maybe they didn't think they could flesh it out for a, for a full film, but... <laughs> I'm not sure this should have been 25 minutes. I was going to say, you, you had to use the full 90-second intro here <laughs> just to flesh out to the 20. I know. I, which, which I'm not complaining about that, but you also had a really long couch gag as well. So in my notes, I was like, oh, this not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> not a good sign. No. Yeah, it's no. A bit, it shows that the, um, the material in the sandwich is pretty thin. Yeah. yeah. But you're saying about Alec Baldwin there, I think with the season premieres, I like to get a good guest star. 
so they can sort of say, new season of The Simpsons, kicking off with, you know, everyone's favourite actor, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it takes me back to um, season 11 uh, with uh, Mel Gibson, right? Because that was a uh, right, season yeah. 11 premiere. This was the first episode of The Simpsons to air in September, uh, like a, for a premiere in the US since that episode, since you first started this podcast, Beyond Blunderdome with Mel Gibson. Holy moly. So I think they've been oh. pushing them back to October, but now they've gone back to September for them. This was September 11th. This one actually aired in 2005. Oh, yeah. Hey, my favourite. What were your favourite moments from the bonfire of the manatees? Besides well, the, uh, uh, the end credits. Rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the fact that it finished. No, no, no. Um, yeah, as I said, I mean, I, I did uh, highlight in green, uh, Alec Baldwin, one of the great voices. So I didn't mind that. And I'm a sucker for manatees. I quite like them. I think we've talked about manatees on previous episodes. I think when, um, when we were talking about Dr. Katz that time, Dr. Katz, professional yes. therapist, and there was the bit with um, Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, and uh, he's sort of doing his bit about the manatee in there or the sea cow. And I was like... Oh, I think these animals get a bit, these delightful sea mammals get a bit of a rough trot, you know. Um, so I, I was happy to see them get their just desserts and be regarded as the sea cuties that they are. And of course, who does not dig the seventies funk soul disco classic Car Wash? A uh, great song, of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it perfectly fit for the, the classic film Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> I started so. Ali is flicking through Stan, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and you see Shark Town. He was big on sharks at the time. He was like, oh, I want to watch that one. I was like, you don't want a kid. And he's like, no, I do. So we put it on. And we get about 15 minutes in. Ali, it's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Too much bit, Scorsese. Yeah, he's like, um, that's not salt. Well, the, the, the thing is, that film just relied so heavily on the cameos of the stars. Mm. It's like, well, yeah. it's, I mean... Who, it's Will Smith, Jack Black, Angelina Jolie, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, and I'm sure there are a few other There's others, halfway yeah. decent names in there. Yeah, yeah Elliot was bored after 15 minutes. Because <laughs> he was just like, why is that shark not eating? You're so confused by the idea of a vegetarian shark. <laughs> just like, why is this shark not eating people? Yeah. <laughs> You're raising that boy right. Uh, uh, the wisdom of children. Yes, them, exactly. Little Elliot. Um, I enjoyed... Um, Homer's quick thinking of when Marge walks in in the porn. You're in the wrong house, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked the the hours, the opening hours of Christmas Town. Open every day, close on Christmas. Close on Christmas. <laughs> now, Christmas Town, is this a real thing? Is there actual places that are like Christmas Town in the States? Like Santa Village all year round? Yeah. You'd think there would have to be, right? You'd think right, so there would have to be. Village, not Christmas Town. Santa's Village, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas Town. I think there were probably people out there who uh, love Christmas so much they would, you know, you hear about uh, people who go to Disneyland all the time or go to Disneyland so frequently. I imagine there would have to be some subsection of people who are like, I wish it was Christmas every day. And then they go to Santa's Village every day or every week or whatever. So maybe. Possibly. As long as, I feel like if you ran a place like that, you'd have to sort of be in on the joke. And sort of be like, like we get that it's not Christmas night now, but you know, yeah, that'd be a tough, tough line to walk because I imagine the people who would come to you regularly, your regular customers, they'd want sincerity. They'd want. <laughs> I'm detached from reality. I want it to be December 25 all year round. So, have we got a have we got a place for you? 
Yeah. <laughs> you sucker. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think, because I was driving through town this morning, and there's this place in town that's open all year selling nothing but uh, Christmas decorations, right? And I'm thinking, surely no one's going in there in, like, March, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the people so that go in, well organized. Oh, hey Bev, we, got, we better get into the old Christmas shop. You know, get in early because get, get some cheap shit. Like, because the thing is, you would never have a clearance sale, would you? What if? Because you're just going to keep <laughs> that stock on until Boxing next Day. Year. Yeah, but, on yeah, Boxing, Boxing Day maybe. But it's like, wouldn't you? Why would you clear off the stock that you know you're going to need again next year? That's a good point. I mean, I guess I get stores like retail stores doing it, but anyway, maybe not you. But how many times, you know, has someone? Sat down at the end of Christmas Day, or just sort of ugh, flumped out on on Boxing Day. And go, Tell you what, next year I'm not going to do everything at the last minute. I'm going to get my Christmas stuff organised early, and then they go to Christmas shop and they get it all seen to. Yeah, I don't know. Could happen. But you're a Grinch. You don't have any Christmas decorations in your house, do you? I do this time around. The lovely Louise had a spare tree. She said, oh. "Do you want a Christmas tree?" I'm like, "You know what? I will." And she also had one of those little Christmas wreaths that you put on the door. She said, you want this too? I said, I'll take it. So That's there good. was a, a tiny touch of Christmas at uh, Shea Davis. Does, the, does the wreath say bar humbug across it? <laughs> it says fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can support the show for as little as one single dollar we do per month, where you'll not only be granted eternal happiness, but you also get access to exclusive podcasts, our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, and much, much more. So become a member of the Four Finger Discount family today by going to patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Now, before we get into trivia, a very special, uh, special rendition here of some shout-outs for our beloved patrons because I'm going to read out a couple and Mr. Guy Davis is going to take over the $20 patrons for this week. But I'm going to start off now by saying the $100 patron of the month is, of course, Mr. Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index Podcast. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. My good sir, check them out, the Simpsons Index Podcast. Check them out, subscribe, and listen to their goodness. Also, shout-out to our man Andrew Zer, the $50 patron of the month. Andrew Zer, we love you. So, so much, my good friend. Now, Mr. Davis, it's time for you to read out the names of our awesome $20 patrons. Okay, $20 patrons. Oh, my God, we're shaking things up in season 17. Up is down, black is white, and Guy is reading out the $20 patrons. <laughs> Let's start with our man, Jordan Moleman Ritchie, Christopher Darby, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Pete Anderson, plain old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard... Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Borston Burgess, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, Adric McLeod, and by the way, some new patrons, some new members of the family, Dando. I'm going to read out some names here for you. Chris A, Andy Kozlowski, Mitchell Glass, Wesley Mead, Tallison Comics, Personal store. Let's find out. Benjamin Halford and just plain Benny, like Madonna or Cher. One name only. Fantastic. Dano, I've got a newfound respect for you because, oh my God, that was exhausting reading out that <laughs> long list of names. That's only going to get longer in the future, we hope. Um, and also, yeah, just realising what a stellar bunch of people we have um, as we like to say, keeping the lights on at Four Finger Discount HQ. 
Exactly right. For just $5 a week, you can get your name read out on all of the podcasts we do here on the network. So thank you so much, guys, <laughs> for your support. It does mean the world to us. Also, a shout-out to our man, Brian Hughes. He was a $100 patron last month, and he wants us to review Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which we will be getting to by the end of this month. So Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it will be available exclusively on our Patreon as well. Also, we are about to review the Sandlot Kids. I know it's just known as the Sandlot in the States, but we call it the Sandlot Kids here in Australia, the early 90s. Uh, coming of age classic for everyone who grew up in the 90s. So the Sound Like Kids, if you want to hear us reviewing <laughs> that, you can find that on our Patreon channel as well. All right, Mr. Davis, trivia. Hit me with your first question, sir. Okay, then. What is the final score of the football match that uh, Homer is watching? Oh, shit. I don't know. I'm going to say 31-28. <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. Well, you probably could. But uh, you are, in fact, incorrect because it was Broncos 19, Seahawks 14. Apparently, they were the two teams in the Super Bowl in 2013, I want to say. Uh, the, I remember there was one year where it's like, the Simpsons have done it again. And they just, <laughs> it's like, it's always going to happen eventually. Fuck me, guys. They just, they just randomly picked two teams. What are The, the yeah. odds of these two teams eventually get into the Super Bowl, of course, it's going to happen one day. <laughs> the Simpsons is the Professor Pigskin. Yes. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. Of, 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 uh, footy, of footy tips. My first question is, what is the book... What is the title of the book that Santa Claus is reading? Oh, um, it's Tom Clancy's Op Center. Correct. <laughs> um, what month does this episode uh, take place in? I'm going to say August. It is indeed August. I think it was one of the people. Well, I think it was Marge, maybe at the um, at Santa's yeah. Village. Yeah, on their way to Santa's Village. But it's August. What film does Carl reference when they walk in and see the two porn stars? Is it Fahrenheit 9 on 1? I was like, good title. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I had in my notes. I was like, I'm a big fan of sex puns. So I think that's why I like the story, because <laughs> there's so many sex puns. In <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, that film, name the two actresses who were in it. Oh, I'm going to look at my notes and cheat. I know it's not cheating. I guess <laughs> it was Angela Dare and Sultry Stevens. Oh, yeah. I love a good porn name. What would be yours, do you think? I don't know, Mister Nice Guy. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be the I'd be the romantic uh, okay. porn star. Would you, so would you be the guy in the film, or would you be like one of the extras? <laughs> well, I'd think I'd be the star. <laughs> what about yours? It's, isn't it like the name of your first street and the name of your first pet or something? Isn't it? Be like, I think I was like Max Donnelly or something. Max Max is a good porn name. It is a great yeah, porn name. Max. Yeah, Max Donnelly yeah. would be my. What's, so, what's your first pet, first street name? Um, it's boring. El Toro Reed. El Toro Reed. Hey, look. Because I grew up on Reed Street and, uh, well, that was my first pet. What about El Toro Breed? Ooh, not bad. <laughs> Do a little, have a little creative license. But uh, our, our first cat that I remember sort of uh, joining the family was uh, my sister Edwina named him El Toro mm-hmm. <laughs> because she had a bottle of, of El Toro tequila in her bedroom. And the cat liked it? I think I think she just thought it was a cool name. Yeah, that is a very cool name. El Toro. It's like, would you always say El Toro or would you just be Toro? El Toro. <laughs> El you have to do a racist accent at the same time. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, well, I, like, I did my Speedy Gonzalez accent. Yeah. <laughs> my next question is, what are Homer's cousins having for dinner? Uh, lasagna and well, a sort of salad. Mm-hmm. Endive salad? No. What's the most common salad? Oh, Caesar. Yes, correct. Hey, uh, what's the name of the boss at Santa's Village? That's my final question, Mr. Roselli. 
<laughs> it is Mr. Roselli indeed. Um, well, I could I could uh, swap that out for another question. Hit me with one more, then we'll head into our review. Let's do it. Okay. Where is Caleb Thorne's ex Miranda from? Ah, uh, I've also got that in my notes. Corpus Christi. I, I didn't even look at my notes. I just remembered. <laughs> Corpus Christi, you are correct. Well, All right. Sir. There we go. That's trivia, guys. First trivia for season 17. We'll be right back, guys, with our in-depth review after this very, very short break. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Yes, everyone's favourite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. It's Tales of Futurama available exclusively for four-finger discount patrons. Starting all the way back at Space Pilot 3000, we're reviewing every episode of Futurama as we sink back a cool, refreshing can of delicious slurm. So be sure to sign up today or else Bender might tell you to... Bite my shiny metal ass. Tales of Futurama, available now at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. This message proudly brought to you by the Hypnotoad. The original air date of The Bonfire of the Manatees was September 11th, 2005. It was written by Dan Graney, directed by Mark Kirkland. We, of course, had a chalkboard gag once again because we had the full intro. It was, does, do any kids still do this anymore? I was going to say, does any kid... Oh, does any kid, yeah. Does any kids, does still, any do this kids still do this anymore? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the cash gag was the one where they're going through the security at the airport and Homer keeps getting buzzed in his underwear. That's what I was saying. Like, it was like 90 seconds before the episode started. I was like, wow, they are trying to kill some time here. They certainly are. The episode kicks off with Homer watching his team. Now, I didn't know whether that was meant to be like an in-gag <laughs> because Hank Scorpio gives him the Denver Broncos. Ah. And he's watching <laughs> That's a good point. my team. I was watching the Broncos. It says my team when he's thinking, flag. You know, you're a big fan of the flags. Flag egg. That was never referenced again, the fact that he owns the Broncos. I just didn't know whether that was meant to be a little reference to him once owning the Denver Broncos, thanks to Hank Scorpio. Let's throw this episode a bone and say, nice. That's a nice little shout out, a nice little callback. Well done, uh, the creators of Bonfire of the Manatees. Even if it was just an accident, it worked out well. It did. I like the little jab here. And I don't think they really do this as much as they used to, but there was a time where it felt like they were constantly promoting every other show they had on the network during a sports game. And I was listening to a, um, a wrestling podcast, of all things, recently, and they explained the concept of stations now buy things like the rights to like the NFL and things like that, not necessarily just for the fact that they want people to watch the NFL. They like the fact that they can use the NFL to promote mm. their other shows. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, I never sort of looked at it. So they don't look at it as the fact that you're just buying one show, that you're buying promotion for your network. Yeah, you're buying a, yeah, an, an advertising opportunity or a marketing opportunity. Or a yeah, marketing yeah. delivery service. Yeah. So here they were promoting Billionaire versus Bear, and there was this close game going on in the background. And the um the Broncos was it the Broncos who just won? They did win in the end, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and they didn't even show the um the winning play because they're too busy promoting Billionaire versus Bear. Well, the bear turned out to be a tiger. I mean, you've yeah, got to, but even this yeah. idea of the reality shows, they don't exist as much as they used to. Well, maybe it's just because I don't watch commercial television as much anymore. I'm not sure, but I, I see. I very rarely watch commercial television, if any, at all. Nor do I, really, and it seems like... These shows were the reason that. why I stopped watching it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, Channel 10 has The Bachelor Australia. That's the still going. Version. Well, yeah, but this time they've, this season they've decided to you know, juice it up a little by having The Bachelors Australia. So you've got three dudes um, vying for love with a whole bevy of young women. Uh, apparently, <laughs> the ratings are just in the toilet. Uh, so, 
And, you know, 10 kind of regarded as it's, oh, this is the one that can't fail or this is the one that doesn't fail. You know, everything else we try, you know, tends to suck. But, you know, people are always looking for love. But, you know, this time it's not. Uh, but quick, still. Quick, quick, Simpsons, 6 p.m. weeknights. Make it happen. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of streaming services do those kinds of shows, though. Or, you know, your, your, your pay TV or your cable stations do that kind of thing. The lovely Louise and I, as you know, we enjoy our trash TV. Um, going to take a break from 90 Day Fiancé, and tonight we're going to watch the first episode of a show called Milf Manor. Now, is this the one whose kids are on it or something? Yeah, you've got, <laughs> you've got mothers and sons. Well, you, you think it's about a bunch of uh, milfs who are you know going to this remote location like... Um, I've raised the family. Time for me to look out for me and looking for love. And you've got a whole bunch of these middle-aged women. And then the young men show up. Oh, my God, they're all each other's sons. And they don't know? They, I don't think they knew. How does that happen? How? how? I don't understand how. Nor do I. That's why I'm watching the first episode tonight, to see what happens. Milf Manor. It's a great title. I will give it that. It really is. And, I mean, it's something that... Um, 30 Rock actually took the piss out of back in the day. They had like a mock reality show called Milf Island. <laughs> so basically it's now going to be 30 Rock predicts the future instead of The Simpsons. It's pretty much. <laughs> 30 Rock, that's a show I need to go back and re-watch. I, I mean, I loved it when it first on. There was, I think it was like season four or five where I sort of like fell off. I was like huge on 30 Rock. And then mm. there's some, there was, it just felt at some point there was like a, a change. Did, did someone leave or something on 30 Rock or was there? I'm not sure. Sure. Maybe I just uh, maybe I just stopped watching for some reason. I'm not too sure. Same with um with Community. I think it was like season three or four where I sort of fell off. I, I think I watched the first couple of episodes of season four and realised, uh, yeah, I think they, I don't know if Chevy Chase had dropped off. That yeah, he not left that he was, and I was like, the, this isn't the same anymore. Yeah, not that he was the main reason to watch it, but I think Donald Glover left as well yeah. and he, he was a big reason to watch it. So I was like, you know what? This show actually wrapped itself up really neatly at the end of season three. I could probably just enjoy those and not watch anymore. Having said that, I've heard that there's a lot of good episodes in seasons four through six. And you know, a lot of good guest stars. Um, Jonathan Banks from uh, Better Call Saul and uh, Gremlins, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> which re- we reviewed on the movie, guys. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, some, t- some shows like that, like they just run out of air a little bit, for you at least, or, you know, for, for the viewer at least, before they actually come to their legitimate end. It's like, um, there's probably only one season left. Eh, I probably could watch it, but nah. It's where you take the, the Seinfeld path. We're on top. Let's get out now. Correct. And saying that, I am um, surprisingly very intrigued to check out that 90s show tomorrow. A, because I'm a 90s oh, yeah. kid, but I, I enjoyed that 70s show for a while and eventually sort of felt, as we're saying, just sort of, it ne- it didn't need to go as long as it did. And, and I think yeah. even the cast knew that, right? Um, but... I, that, that, that 90s show, I'm intrigued to see how 90s it is, I guess. Because sometimes you say you see things that are like set in the 90s and it doesn't quite feel right. Now, of course, they usually have a blockbuster in there somewhere and things like that. But besides that, it's just like, it doesn't really feel 90s. I'm, I'm just interested to see how they handle it. Did you ever watch that? Did you watch Blockbuster? That's that. Uh, oh, that was horrific. It was so terrible. I watched about 20 minutes of the first episode and went, what the hell is this? Yeah. So bad. So, how do you fuck that up? Like, how do you actually fuck that up? The nostalgia of going to a video store, it should write itself. How do you fuck that up? I don't know, man. <laughs> it was just a... 
I know it's meant to be the last blockbuster, but make it feel nostalgia-y. And it just didn't yeah, feel like yeah. it at all. I, I was not a fan. I was. I think it got cancelled, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It's one season and out. Yeah, that was a shit show from the get-go. No good. <laughs> but, but enough of that. Let's return to Bonfire of the Man. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. something good. Um, or, so, yeah. or good by comparison. But as you were explaining earlier, Professor Pigskin... And Lisa explains the um, the scam, basically, how they send out one that's got one team and another pamphlet's got the other team. And eventually, there'll be a little mm-hmm. circle of people that get the, always get the winners and they spread the room, uh, spread the, the good word on the business. And Homer, of course, gets can uh, gets tricked by this. So he, he bets his money. And for, or he borrows money from Fat Tony to make a bet. And then we get them hammering out the payment plan. The idea of being <laughs> caught by the mafia and them just like tormenting you, just it frightens me like no, like nothing else. I could probably handle being roughhoused by the mafia because they, they do business. You know, I mean, they don't want to kill the golden goose. So, I mean, yeah, they'll mess you up. They'll break your arm. They'll break your leg or something. But I don't think that you, know, you better get us our money or worse is going to happen. It's like, okay, I'll get the money anyway. I can. But if they realise they can't get that money from you, you're fucked. Yeah, that's that's when you end up, uh, you know, in a barrel at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I don't know. You, you watch a lot of shows and it's sort of the. The mafia or whatever get a hold of a guy, and it's like I just couldn't imagine anything worse being strapped to a chair in a room by yourself, knowing you're about to be tortured. Oh fuck, that would be horrific. Yeah, that would that would suck. And you're probably trying to you know convince, you know, you don't have to do this. Maybe I don't, but I'm going to. Look, what's worse? What, um, what do you think would be worse? Seeing the guy walk into the room just like you know, getting his fists ready, or walking with like a blowtorch? Oh, blowtorch! Like like just oh, I just no thanks. And like people that get like their fingers. Cut off with pliers and stuff. Oh, no, fingernail trauma is just the worst. And yeah, having like something either put under your fingernails or having your fingernails removed. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I had a relative who um who survived the Second World War. He got put in a camp, and all his fingernails were ripped off as part of torture. Just ugh. oh, get fucked. Said it was oh. just the worst thing. <laughs> I'm saying get fucked. Whoever ripped his fingernails. Yeah, out yeah, not good at all. <laughs> Um, However, anyway. this bit did, did give us a, a, a good funny line about if he mentions that pig again, use two hammers. Yes, <laughs> and they do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I made Fat Tony sound a bit more like, uh, I don't know, John Lovitz or whoever my default voice is. Use two hammers. <laughs> yeah, two hammers. <laughs> exactly how you do it. Oh, say. my God. Now we, now we need to recast Fat Tony with John Lovitz. It's not my fault the Raiders lost. It's Professor Pigskins. If he mentions that pig again, use two hammers. But the pig! Ow! Ow! Now, I do have a way we could settle this debt. We would like to use your home to shoot an adult film. Yeah, it's called Lemony Licket, a series of horny events. (gasps) Mine would kill me. Please, there's got to be something else I can do, like mow your lawn every week for two weeks. I can't do it next week. Oh, all right. You can shoot your gay adult film at my house. I didn't say anything about gay. I thought you guys were the gay mafia. Ow! He's now at Moe's and he needs to somehow think of an idea to get the ladies out of the house. So Moe gives him two tickets to Santa's village that he gets because the guy, I think the guy kills the old horses that are pretend to be reindeers or something and uses them as... He, uh, he, he turns the, the dead reindeer into um into jerky. Yes, and Moe's selling it or Moe's got it in his, um, in his bar. Marge is confused. Why would we go to our Santa's village? It's August, and Bart brings up the PlayStation box that he got that was empty. I didn't mind. Hey, got your hopes up, didn't it? <laughs> and then they question his hand. And there's moments like this where I'm just like, oh, this is so lazy to me, where she questions, why are your hand broken? Because you're as beautiful now as the day I met you. And she's like, oh. And I'm like, Marge isn't that stupid. Can we not have her doing yes. this anymore, please? 
Welcome to Santa's Village, where it's Christmas every day. Closed on Christmas. Those reindeer look really uncomfortable. That's because they don't thrive in this environment. What you reading, Santa? Tom Clancy's Op Center. You don't seem very jolly. Oh, Santa got some bad medical news. So they're filming at Homer's house, and we get the planet satisfaction. Then Linny and Carl enter. Of course, Linny and Carl know who they are straight away. I, I just enjoyed that. <laughs> it's Angela Dare and Solchie Stevens. So Homer says, I'll let you be in the movie if you keep quiet. And Lenny says, I think you'll be the sound guy and Carl's going to be in the sex scenes. Yeah. Then we get Marge, who was really excited to see Frosty the Snowman, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Frosty! <laughs> Where's your hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. Don't tell him. Don't tell him I've lost the hat again. We're on their way home now. Lisa's got a rash from where the reindeer licked her. And Bart asks why they pulled the blanket over Santa Claus's head. And then, this is the thing about being a parent now, right? Trying to come up with all of the stories to justify to Elliot why, like when he's, Elliot finds all, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, kids, they, they're just, they see things for how they are. Elliot's got all yeah. these questions about Santa, but why is Santa here? Why, how can he be there? Why is he in this shopping center and now he's over there in that shopping? Trying to come up with all these different stories to explain that. It's a fucking full-time job, mate. Because <laughs> I haven't fallen back on that they're Santa's helpers yet because Ali is such a literal literal person that if we took him to see Santa after we told him that they're just Santa's helpers, he would be like, well, it's not Santa. He'd be like, well, I'm not doing this. Like the whole Santa's helper story. How is that? How does that actually work on kids? I don't get it. Oh, it's just Santa's helpers. Hey, kids, it's Santa. Like, how can they possibly believe it's Santa after you've just told them it's Santa's helpers? That really is a tough one. I mean, you've got to come up with a fairly not convoluted story, but it's like, yeah, they're Santa's helpers. But do that guy a favor and, and say, no, you know, pretend that he's Santa and make him feel good. Yeah. I, I just made the, the decision to never shop at Market Square and Westfield on the same day. <laughs> I, just, I did it one day and I'm like, I am never doing this shit again. I just never make no, it. No, you're messing with your kid's head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So they're on their way home. Marge sees, the, she's about to say to the kids, you know, let's be easy on your dad, blah, blah, blah. And let's pretend that we had a good time. And she sees Gentleman's Relief Productions truck at the front. Not exactly subtle, the, 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 the porno production van. Listen, uh, I got a tattoo of Foghorn Leghorn on my right thigh. Are we going to get into any trademark or copyright issues here? Because we can put a Band-Aid on it and say my character just got stabbed. Relax. Three guys will put their hands on it, okay? Now, everybody is very much in love and action. Everybody much in love and action. <laughs> everybody much in love. I thought it was very good. <laughs> and then Marge walks in. She calls it a, is it a snuggle film? A snuggle. It says a snuggle film. Yeah. <laughs> Snuggles, I love Marge's use of snuggle for sex. I know you're a fan of it, and so am I. Yeah. All That's you know, it's, a, it's, a bit more, it's a bit more than cuddling. It's, a, it's snuggling. Remember, remember when we reviewed um, Homer Alone when Marge has the nervous breakdown? And maybe later we can uh, snuggle. Snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> but Homer here, you're in the wrong house, lady, and she cracks the shits. And she can't believe that they're doing it in the room where they do their puzzles. That reminded me of you for some reason. <laughs> what, 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 me being annoyed that, or just the fact that I do puzzles. <laughs> like, in the room where we play our board game. I get home, Nicholas just got people filming porn here. At, on the table where we do our puzzles? <laughs> Uh, so she goes in the car. Marge, Marge, I've got a perfect explanation. I owed the mafia money. 
<laughs> and Marge has had enough of this, so she storms out. Who's going to look after the kids? You. Me. But I'm the father. And I, I'll just write my notes. He's right, Marge. What are you doing here? Why are you leaving the kids of this yeah. madman? And he didn't, she didn't say goodbye to the kids, so she comes and says goodbye whilst crashing his cart. So I'm like, so not only are you leaving the kids, but you're, just, you're destroying their only form of transport to go and get anything from the house. And then you're just leaving. I'm like, okay. Yeah. The, the, I, under, I understand the frustration. I get it. But, that, uh, that much is yeah. fair. Yes. It's out of character. Yeah, it, does. it feels very out of character. So the family are now discussing dinner or ha- what they're going to have for dinner. And Homer says, you know, this is what happens. Every time I annoy your mother, she goes out, we have waffles. And I thought, we've got no waffles. And it's a bit of sauce. Homer's magic marinara sauce. Okay, ketchup. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Lisa's not using her sense of imagination. Then Mo calls. Come on, Marge. When are you going to call? Oh, let it ring. Play hard to get. That's hard enough. Oh, my darling, I love you. Please forgive me. Hey, Homer. Mo, what are you calling me for? You told me to call. You wanted to see if your phone was working. Well, what if Marge tries to call while I'm talking to you? Well, ain't you got call waiting? Of course I have call waiting, you idiot. I just never learned how to use it. Uh-oh, it might have broken the phone. I better call Mo. Oh, hey, Homer. Mo, will you get off the line? They really dumbed down Homer in this episode when you think about it, didn't they? Like, really dumbed him down. More so than usual, absolutely. Yeah. It's um not a, it's the more you look into it, it's like, yeah, it wasn't great. This kind of humanist doesn't work for me anymore. I don't know. I think maybe just because I've, I've seen it so many times, this like almost this exact same joke. Yeah, there's only so many ways you can do this, or there's only so often you can do it, or you have to give it a, a much longer space to sort of breathe before you can break it back, you bring it back again. Marge is then waiting at the rest stop and she's about to sort of give in and say, oh, I better call and tell him I'm coming home. And then she says to Homer, you know, his usual thing, you know, you buy me chocolates and they got tasting bites out of them and things like that. And you feel sorry for Marge here, but they've written the character so pathetic by this point that you just sort of go, it's your own fault. You're, you choose to go back to him. Was it before or after she makes the phone call that she sticks her finger in the cigarette lighter was, thing in the car? I didn't get where that was going. No, do I. I'd write down, hey, what's with the self-harm? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, is she trying to open up a sunroof or something? I thought you were honestly trying to feel something. Yeah, it was it was strange. I didn't understand that at all, but that's when she, um, she makes the call to Homer. And um, Homer's, you know, as he's talking to Marge, or Lemon Cream, you're going in the Marge pile. Then someone is trying to get into the, uh, the phone box, and she realizes it's a manatee, and thankfully Dr. <laughs> Caleb Thorne comes over and saves the day by giving it some kelp. He says they're called sea cows or dugongs as well. Yeah, we refer to them as dugongs here in Australia. Meanwhile, Homer's still on the phone asking where they keep the socks that don't smell like feet and things like that. So basically they're trying mm. to balance it out that this new heartthrob's come here to... And they never played up that Marge and Caleb were romantically going to get involved. That was I, I liked that element at least. It was never Marge was... I, was, I hate it when, like, you know, Marge and Homer have a fight and all of a sudden this new romantic mm. guy just magically appears in her life. And it's like, no, after this 20 years of marriage, that doesn't happen. You know, just all of a sudden fall in love with somebody else. But you yeah. know, he, he's, he's going to give her a new sense of purpose. He's just showing her a new direction in life. He's not trying to be romantically involved. He's just giving her a reason. No. To, he's to a guy who's thoughtful and sincere. And yeah. Yeah, these are qualities much lacking in Homer J. Simpson. Then Margie pulls in and Elliot at Christmas time asking about Santa where she asks about all the um the saving the manatee questions. Good girl, yes. yes. This animal means you no harm. She's a sweet old Florida manatee, also known as a sea cow or dugong. Hello, Marge. Where do we keep the socks that don't smell like feet? I'll call you back. 
I'm Dr. Caleb Thorne, and I would do anything to protect a manatee, except harm another manatee. And what if by harming a manatee, you could save two manatees? But before you answer, consider this. The manatee you'd have to harm is pregnant. Those are the questions that keep me up at night. Then we get the little sea plant for the final sequence where the jet ski hits the manatee and he has to go give it a hug. Jet skis make a return later in the episode, obviously. And then uh, they're having coffee. And as he says here, it's your fault for expecting Homer to change. And I just went, we all know this, but to say it in the episode makes it sort of like, what? You're almost admitting defeat to yourself. Yeah, and go- going forward, you can't really have a Homer and Marge breakup episode anymore because you've now made the viewers realise, you're right. Oh, wait a minute. Well, she, this happens... All too often. She should be leaving him. What, what, what are you doing? He is never going to change. What do you keep doing? What do you keep putting yourself through this for? And then as she's thinking about that, um, he goes outside and delivers the manatee in the, um, in the car park. Homer, Lisa, and Bart are now looking for Marge. Apparently the car's now fixed. Or was the car still smashed oh. in the back? Well, we didn't see the back. We didn't it. see the back. Uh, I thought when they pulled in, we might have seen the back. I'm not too sure. But Bart's in the cage. Mm-hmm. And then they go into the place that likely just happened to go to the to the to the right cafe. Exactly to the exact cafe. <laughs> well done, good detective work. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the worker describes the difference between handsome and rugged. Would you call yourself rugged or handsome, Mister Davis? Uh, homely. I reckon you're ruggedly handsome. Well, I think you're handsomely rugged. Ah, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> but rugged means you look at him, as the guy says. Then Marge. <laughs> Goes for, a, goes for a swim with the manatees and she cleans out its ears and we see that the, the vomiting and things like that, which is what Homer does at the end of the episode. She's glad to have bonded with it and takes her to its lagoon full of bugs. We've still got the family looking for her. They're looking around. Homer says, um, you know, we're going to go stay with my cousins who live out here. And I was like, okay, cousins that I didn't really know existed. And by the end of this episode, I'm probably assuming you're never going to see them again. But yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's just, it was the, the strangest thing to introduce these cousins, not even give them a name. It was just so weird. Like, why couldn't they have just gone and stayed at a B&B with these guys? <laughs> yeah, why, how are they? Yeah, why Why make them a relation? Yeah, why? Yeah. Well, it makes no fucking sense. None at all. <laughs> like, you could have you could have had Homer doing this exact same gag to people, to a, B, a, a B and, Airbnb or whatever. Yeah. On Airbnb wasn't a thing back then, but, you know, a B&B out in the sticks and having go, these country folk, this is how, like, you could have the exact same mm. joke. And it probably wouldn't feel as cruel because they're not his family. Really? Yeah. It was just so fucking stupid. Just imposing on the goodwill of these people who are, you know, clearly a lot nicer than he is. Yeah, it was weird. So they find a new burger place, burger plate. You know, say it's all mm. their birthdays to get free food. Yes, after after Scobos and Dim Willies. Mm-hmm. And they arrive at the cousin's house. Cousin Homer, how are you? And this must be Bart and Lisa. Well, aren't you nice-looking kids? Hey, do you folks want to see a quilt that's been in our family for five generations? I warned you he was an idiot. Well, all I need is some moonshine and someone playing the harmonica, and I'm as happy as a pig in plop. Or having lasagna and Caesar salad. Don't laugh. They're doing the best they can. Mm. So, Homer, how are you? Oh, just great. Things couldn't be better. And how is our lovely Marge? She, uh, was killed by a falling air conditioner. Well, that's terrible. It wasn't all bad. As part of the settlement, her funeral was air conditioned. To to have him go, we're having lasagna and Caesar salad, it's like, okay, fine, the, the joke's done. 
but they have Homer just continuously doing it throughout. I can tell they probably thought it was hilarious at the time when they were writing it. But even little bits like, you know, they're at the dinner table and he's just eating like a slob. You can see little bits of food coming off his fork and ruining the place. I'm like, yeah. honestly, what's the point of this? It's not funny and it's not it's not moving the story ahead. It's just, you know, it's dickish. Makes up a story about Marge being killed in front of the kids and no one questions him on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. As I said in my notes, yes, Homer continues to suck. And then we get this joke that they've fucking done a million times. Now, Homer going to use the outhouse. <gasps> my recording studio. Like, <laughs> this is why are we doing this again? <laughs> why? <laughs> Dan Green's been with the show for a long time. I'm going to look up when he first started on The Simpsons because he must know this kind of shit. Let's have a look. He 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 wrote King Size Homer. Some of a summer of four foot two. Oh, he actually wrote My Sister, My Sitter, which I think is the one of the worst episodes of the Golden Era, if not the worst. Um, he wrote Realty Bites with um, you know, so he wrote some good episodes, but boy, oh boy, and he and he wrote this episode. <laughs> this was not one of them. I annoyed Gruntbot. It was another good episode. Yeah, but he wrote he wrote good episodes. This was not his finest work, that is for sure. So, how are we related again? Our dogs are brothers. Oh yeah. I just wrote here. I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And then they see, um, Lisa just magically sees Marge through the binoculars. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, the geography in this episode can, and, is right and up. And she can hear ra- her. She can hear her as well. <laughs> the geography in this episode is right up there with on a clear day. I can't see my sister. Yeah, Marge is saying I got, she got her groove back. And Homer, I did, I did enjoy Homer being hustled by the chickens over chess. <laughs> I love, I love that the you know you let me win the first time so you could hustle okay. me like. Because I've been hustled before. And like when you're being hustled, like when you when you when you a game of pool at like a pub or whatever, and then you're like, hey, oh, yeah, I'll play another one, and you seem to just go bang, 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 you're like, oh no. That's like oh. the, the early version of like an online scammer. <laughs> Played for a fool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Mar- Marge is now on the beach with Caleb and he explains how they eat the ones that are going to die, the ones they can't save, and she's kind of annoyed by that. Then Homer arrives and he apologizes to Marge, but she says, unfortunately for him, she says, she's not coming back just yet. He's like, you're needed at home. She says something again. You're needed at home. I'm like, both of you in this situation are being very, very um, responsible. Homer's being a prick of a husband, but Marge's like, like Marge, you've got three kids. Like, <laughs> you need to help out the kids somehow. You've left them with this idiot. <laughs> The manatees can look after themselves, or Caleb can look after the manatees. Rescue these children, Marge. You're needed at home. I'm sorry, homie. I just can't find it in my heart to come back right now. Well, that's very reasonable. You stole my wife, I'll kill you! Homer! I have no interest in stealing your wife, but Marge is getting something from her work with me, something a strong, passionate woman like her needs. A purpose. Wow, I can see why she loves you. She doesn't love me. She's just trying to find herself. Oh, you know everything. I don't know everything. I'm just a man. And what a man. We're walking along the um the squid port, uh, just along the um along the beach there, and Homer's asked the kids, Is Marge saving or killing amenities? And she's saving them. Homer's Homer's like, Okay, we'll come up with a plan, but then he almost and then he just gives up. He's like, Oh no, I can't be bothered doing that. I'm like what is the purpose of this story? Yeah. <laughs> What's it telling us about the Simpson family, about Marge, about Homer? Need, look, What's Homer, it telling us? You, what you're doing here, now that you break it down, what you're saying to us here is Homer has no interest in being a better person. 
and is just yeah. expecting of Marge to just stay with him, which she does. And then he sees the jet skis heading for the manatees, or they, Bart sees the jet skis heading for the manatees, and they make, you know, they're hitting them, and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, pick on someone your own size. He somehow, did he get that swan from somewhere? Did we see him get the swan? No, but given that they're on the sort of touristy pier, one imagine there would be little swan paddle mm-hmm. boats lying around. I didn't mind the gag, like, pick on someone your own size. Well, they're roughly our size, maybe even a bit bigger. And they're about to get away with it, and he calls them rubes. So he says, catch me if you can. And the manatees defend, they all leave, you know, because they're animals. <laughs> and the uh, cousin arrives to save Homer. One guy had a knife here. And he was swinging that knife. Homer didn't have any cuts on him, but thankfully. But uh, the cousin arrives with a notarized court order. And then still, you know, poor dumb country mouse can't even count when he asks Homer how many fingers he's holding up. <laughs> yeah. And also the bit about rubes. I don't yeah. know. Is that meant to... That on, yeah, yeah. This this long drawn out thing about rubes. What the hell? Damn show. Be more funny. Yeah. Marge is... Thankful that Homer risked his life to save these manatees. I'm like, what the? How many days have you been with these manatees, Marge? What is? What the? F- anyway, so you know, you're the real endangered species, homie. A devoted husband. I'm like, no. In fact, he's, he's actually not. <laughs> no, he, he kind of sucks. <laughs> he's, he's come to find you because he wants you to come home to look after the kids, so he doesn't have to. <laughs> A devoted husband would have gone. My bad. You go take some time. I'll watch the kids. <laughs> it would be nice if, if just one of these episodes sort of ended that way, you know. Well, look, they, they used to end with Homer realising, yeah, fuck, I need to change. Granted, he never did. But these ones never tend to end with Homer saying, I need to be a better person. It's just person, a case no. of, I'm sorry, Marge. Please take me back so I can do the same shit again next week. It like... Having Marge pointed out in this episode, you know, homie, what you usually do is you do something, you say you're sorry, give me some half-eaten chocolates, and then I take you back, and then you do the same thing the mm. next week. It's like, well, if you can say that, Marge, then why are you doing it? Is, it, is the joke meant to be on us as viewers? <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. Marge says she'll always choose Homer, and Caleb starts to think that he needs a woman, and he has a conversation with the manatee, Miranda. Corpus Crispy, Chris, uh, Corpus Christi. Then the manatee. <laughs> that's that's the chicken. That's the fried chicken shop. At that, that, Corpus that, no, that's Corpus the uh, that's the, the new donut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we need to look up if there is in fact a donut shop in Corpus Christi called Corpus Crispy. <laughs> There's not it's a failed marketing. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? We then get the manatee posing as Homer at work. And it's about to die of dehydration, so we get the car wash ending with Burns and Smithers, which just seems comes across like something like, "How do we end this?" Something wacky again, sort of a dance number kind of deal. Yeah. How did it manage to get there so fast? Like, how did that happen? Homer, <laughs> how did Homer also, get a manatee? Homer's been here oh, the whole time. How did he get a manatee to the power plant in his clothes? Also, I, I kind of hate it. I'm, I'm never a fan of. Um, Seafaring animals out of water, yeah. <laughs> even in animated circumstances. I'm like, oh man, you know, kind of slowly suffocating. That sucks. Uh, so yeah, so for for end this way. Well, admittedly, it's nice that you know he, he seems to enjoy getting a bit of car wash treatment, uh, the manatee. But mm, uh, it, it's over. We made it. We made it. It's finished. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so overall, I. Liked this episode. This episode raised a lot of more questions reviewing it, going through the... Uh, watching it, when I finished the episode watching it, I was like, eh, this, is, this is all right. 
going through mm-hmm. and actually questioning certain things, it's like, this actually, this last act was terrible. Ah, oh, do we say terrible? Had its moments. It just didn't... Eh, not great. You know, yeah. it was put together with, um, you know, very... Put together with sticky tape and, and, um, and chewing gum. It just feels like, you know, this is one of those scripts where surely this, there was somebody at The Simpsons who would have read this and gone, but what about this? And yeah, who's that? And are we going to give those guys names? And how did the manatee yeah. get to the power plant? Like, they're the kind of things if I worked at The, at the Simpsons, I'd be like, can we just try, try at least yeah. try and have this make sense? Or even, I mean, you don't have to see manatee at point A getting to point B. I mean, you can just have the traditional sitcom thing of, you know, Closing on Homer saying, oh, don't worry about that. I've got a brilliant idea. And then you cut to a manatee in the, in the, uh, in the big chair. <laughs> I mean, it, you don't know how it got there, but, I mean, at least Homer acknowledges, I've got a brilliant idea. <laughs> I don't know. You can fill in the blanks from there, but this you don't even sort of get a chance to fill in your own blanks. It's like, wait, wait what? What happened? Because wasn't, wasn't this the story there that Marge says, you have to go to work tomorrow or something? Well, I think, yeah, there's a semi-regular acknowledgement now. It's like, Homer, don't you work at the power plant? Oh, I'm not for having wacky adventures. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe the whole rant yeah. was, maybe there is, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, that handsome is when you look at yourself, but when rugged is when people are looking at you. I learned that I am down for some uh, Corpus, Corpus Crispy Donuts. <laughs> I don't know about the name. <laughs> I mean, uh, crispy sounds if, nice. If, Corpus. If you had a Krispy Kreme donuts in Corpus Krispy, surely you call it the Corpus Krispy, right? I think here's here's my thing. I think you should make it like, like the old Big Mac challenge, where you know, if you said to all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and sesame seed but oh, mm. I'm here drooling on the mic again. Um, but it, you know, it used to be if you went to a Macca's and said that. You know, and you said it within a certain amount of time. It's like, yeah, you, know, you get a free Big Mac for being such a fast talker. If you can go to the Corpus Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi Krispy Kreme and you could say it a lot smoother than I just did, you get yourself free glazed. I've always thought, you know the franchise Sushi Sushi, right? Sushi Sushi. They should make an ad campaign where you just go around and say to people, you get a free sushi if you can say Sushi Sushi five times in a row really fast. Try and do it. <laughs> so say the word sushi. Say ten sushi, times in a row. Sushi, sushi. Say it five times. Sushi, sushi. No, I, I can't even say it once. It's hard. Sushi, sushi, sushi. See if you went around right around the street. By the way, guys, if you do this, I want some credit. But sushi, sushi should go around <laughs> and just have some guy saying, "Hey, can you say our store name really fast five times?" And it'd be funny seeing people try to say it. But sushi, then, the, sushi. But, but then the but then the name sushi, sushi would be stuck in your head. It really would. It's just it writes itself. Yeah, everyone would be eating sushi. I should be in the marketing team. <laughs> well, that's one of the services that uh, we provide here at Four Finger Discount and, uh, Enterprises. From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, Mr. Davis. It is the first week of the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 17. Let's see if Philip J. Hawkins can go back to back to back. <laughs> the threequel, the three-peat. What have we got this week? Uh... Okay, then, uh, let's start with 1.4. Every Marge has its thorn. That would be our man, Fergus Jeffs, who won the wildcard draw last month. So, well done, Fergus Jeffs, on the board with one point. All right, and uh, back in the wildcard draw already. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up, Fergus. Two points for 
Aquamagine. Aquamagine, yes. Okay, that is Ryan Dunlap. Ryan Dunlap, two points. Well done, sir. Well done, Dunlap. Three points. Go to a good manatee is hard to find. Before I explain who that is, did you just say well done, Lap? Yes. Because that was great. <laughs> if I did, yes. <laughs> if, if, if I said well done, Lap, yeah, well done, Dunlap, um, then. Oh. I thought you like, yes. just like, well done, Lap, moving on. I was like, no, no, that needs some applause. <laughs> The three Let's points. Say I did. The three points. First position for the first round is Nora Coca. Coca's back. It's Coca, right? The that's <laughs> Coca. <laughs> Nora Coca. Nothing like the real thing. Nora Coca. She's back with three points. All right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back, Coca. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, leaderboard. Currently, Fergus Jeffs, one point. Ryan Dunlap, two points. And Nora Coca, three points. If you want to be a part of it, just going to be a $1 plus patron. Link is in the description of this podcast. We would appreciate if you could all send us some dollar reduce, get some support, and get access to a bunch of exclusives, including we're about to record our review of the Sandlot Kids. Very exciting stuff. All right, Mr. Davis. Now time for some mailbag. Mailbag. Jamail. Jamail is here. Ooh. All right, the first question here, I asked for some questions on our Twitter, at Four Finger Pod. If you're not a follower yet, please do so, at Four Finger Pod. We are closing in on 7,000 followers, so we would appreciate if you could all, if you haven't yet, jumped on there. I'll chuck the link in the description of this, uh, at Four Finger Pod. I post several times daily. Bit of Simpsons stuff, bit of movie stuff, bit of Seinfeld stuff, bit of just, you know, regular Dando life stuff. All on there every day, Four Finger Pod. Make sure you hit that follow button. Okay, first question here comes from... Rob Turner. Rob asks, if you had the chance, would you, A, guest write an episode of The Simpsons, B, guest star in a Simpsons episode as a character, C, guest star in a Simpsons episode as yourself, D, have two spaghetti dinners, E, trade it all for what's in this box, or F, marry a carrot? (laughs) Two spaghetti dinners does sound pretty terrific. It does, although spaghetti is so filling. It, it is like it's, yeah, you go out to a restaurant, they give you a bowl of spaghetti, and it's like it doesn't look like much, and then you get halfway much through, and you're like, "Fuck me!" Is it? Is this a bottomless pit of spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in the mood for that, it's like, oh, fantastic! Um, yes, that 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 multiple choice question. Would you rather write an episode, write an episode, or start as a character? I think the idea of writing a Simpsons episode is so exciting to me. It is, and it's something that we occasionally float. On this uh, on this podcast, um, I, I, I think as you know, we're creative individuals, Dando. I think I think it would be great fun for us, and uh, also quite inspirational to spend a little time hunkered down in the writers' room, see how it operates, throw our two cents into it, and uh, and see what comes out. Yeah, I think I think that would be. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with a. Yeah. Next one here from the Twitter. We'll get to more Twitter questions next week. But this one here comes from uh, Taylor G. Uh, if the show was to do an episode with, uh, so he's tagged at Boy Myth Legend, who is Jungle Boy, a wrestler from AEW, who is the son of Luke Perry. Uh, if the mm-hmm. show was to do an episode with him, would you, would you, how would you go about writing it? Personally, he'd do an episode with him and Krusty, given that Krusty is in canon his uncle, because you know he's half oh, brother yeah, Luke Perry. Right. Uh, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. And you know, in the late '90s, when Simpsons—I don't know Simpsons when I was Simpsons was—but when wrestling was huge, 
You know, you had the two big rival companies. So you had The Rock and The Undertaker, the Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. On the other side, you had the Hollywood Hulk Hogan with his black and white and the NWO and all this sting and all this stuff. It really surprises me that they never did an episode with wrestlers on. It just feels like having wrestlers in the Springfield universe just writes itself. Having the, the, no, the wrestling comes to town and have Homer, Homer become a professional wrestler. I know they do an episode about professional wrestling and like the, the season 20-something with Grandpa being a former professional wrestler, but I just think that would have been so cool to look back on now, 20 years later, and have The Undertaker and The Rock and all these guys in the Simpsons universe. Oh, absolutely, because, you know, we've had episodes where they've had a lot of sports people on, and, you know, you can tell that these guys are like, so I say this line like this, okay. Um, but wrestlers, are performing is part of the gig. They're it's part characters. of the job description. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they would bring a lot more oomph and gusto, I think, to uh, to their guest role. So yeah, you're right. It's it's completely surprising that we didn't or haven't, yeah, you know, seen uh, seen the likes of these uh, of these performers on the show before. And mm, I don't I mean Homer's pretty ageless, so I think you could have him even at this stage of the proceedings. You know, put on like a like a luchador helmet or something. You know, and and uh, well, luchador mask, so like luchador, uh, Mexican- uh, nacho nacho libre. Is that what the movie's called? Yeah, yeah, like one of those Mexican wrestlers that yeah, are always yeah. masked, and having become the sensation of um, of Springfield as you know the big new wrestler in town or whatever. I don't know. But- I, I honestly think it's it's something you can still do it now. Have AEW just fucking like because it's never been done. Like have the AEW just the business to send some of their wrestlers down, including Jungle Boy, you know, and have the tie-in. The Jungle Boy is Luke yeah. Perry's and have the tie-in with, with Krusty. Have, you know, maybe Bart could become a, his manager or something. Yeah, Because I feel like Bart would be a... Because, you know, wrestling's not real. So, I'm spo- sorry if I spoil that for some people out there. But, you know, you could... There's no, there's no reason why Bart couldn't be the manager of Jungle Boy in an episode of The Simpsons. I think it'd be really good cross-promotion. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I am really surprised. I was thinking about it, and then when this question came through, I was like, wow. I was just thinking about it earlier. I'm like, how the fuck has there never been like a, a wrestling company that's gone, let's let's do some cross-branding here? I'm wondering how much uh, wrestling used to air on um, on Fox back in the day. Oh, you mean in, in the States? Yeah. It was, never on the, it was never on Fox, wrestling. So maybe that's, okay. oh, I guess that would be why, because you're, you're promoting a show on another network. Uh, but the fucking they've promoted things, and I, I'm sure they could work something. Surely, out. Is, the ratings that episode would have gotten in the late '90s, having Stone Cold and all them on it, would have been fucking huge. I, I, I still think it's something that could definitely work in. I, if you're listening out there, Simpsons or AEW folk, make it happen. I reckon it'd be good fun. All right, let's go to the patron mailbag now. Before we wrap this up, this question mm-hmm. here comes from uh, Mark Boston Burgess. He says, "Is Mr. Burns starting to soften? It's is it odd that Mr. Burns wears loafers?" that are former gophers, but he's also happy to save the manatee at the end of this episode. The whole Mr. Burns character has just changed. We did get some episodes in recent seasons, maybe it was even like last season, where he came across as the evil Burns of old. I think it was, yeah, it was like, it was the um okay. the snitch one. Seven beer snitch. Like, you know, you go in the prison and things oh, like yeah. that. Evil Burns is great. Like, evil Burns, when he goes to being evil Burns, that's awesome. When he had, he never cared about anyone besides himself, including mm. Smithers. But yeah, seeing soft Burns, it just, I don't know. I was never a huge fan. You need to throw in one of those curveballs every once in a while, but essentially, no. His his job is to be the heel. His job is to be the big bad on the, of Springfield. And every once in a while, if you throw in, well, he's actually human after all, but then reverts to being big bad. I mean, I, don't know, I think that keeps it interesting. 
the, 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 the I think soft, they might do it too often. Yeah, the, the soft you've got to be very careful how you show the soft side. The soft side's not so bad. It's when he comes across as almost pathetic and broken down old burns, mm. and like you know where his body's falling apart. And I'm just, I've never been I've never been a fan of that. All right, Harrison McClure. If you were offered a good amount of money, would you be an extra in a porno? As in, you're not the one getting anything out. Well, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah. Good money to sit there and watch porn? Why not? <laughs> yeah, if I don't have to participate in any way, yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably put on like, you know, uh, a big fake moustache and like a, a, a silly hat or something. <laughs> you, you play Guy Incognito. How do you I do? I would. <laughs> <laughs> porno? What is a porno? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd, I'd probably pull the exact guy incognito face of like walking in and going, hmm? <laughs> and then walking out. Talia Enriquez. Or Talia. Talia Enriquez. Talia. So, Talia. Would you volunteer to save your local endangered sea life? I mean, if someone hmm. came up to me and said, look, there's these endangered starfish down at the beach that really need your help right now, I'd be like, Ah, oh, fucking fine, whatever. Like I'm all I'm all about helping animals. The yeah. idea sounds great, but sometimes it's just like I just don't have the time. <laughs> can I just give you some five dollars and you can put it towards something else? Oh, look, there was certainly a time when I would donate monthly to an animal charity. I think it was Whisper W S P A World Society for the Prevention uh, Protection of Animals Prevention of Animals. Uh, yeah, I wanted. I think I was donating something like 10 bucks a week or 10 bucks a month or something like that. Like, yeah, of course. Got to help the animal. And then you cancel for what reason? <laughs> Preferred to put that money to Macca's or something? Yeah, yeah. Apple pies went on special. Correct. Uh, final one here. I've, I, I, by the way, haven't I... You still haven't had no, any Macca's? I had, I, had Mac, I had Macca's once yep. at the very start of the... I had Macca's once at the very start of the year and, and I'll tell you why. Because I had... Amount of points on the app where it's like, oh, you can get a free apple pie. Okay, I'm going to use that and then I'm shutting down the app, which I did. Yep, so you still sh- you haven't got it since? I have not, although the lovely Louise and I are away from talking. <laughs> no, we didn't have Maccas, but uh, we did have Carl's Jr. on the way back from Torquay. I had it in America and I was like, this is shit. <laughs> I was like, he was like, what's Carl's Jr. like? I said, it's basically a Hungry Jack's. <laughs> I had Hungry Jack's recently. I swear by Hungry Jack's now. I actually prefer <laughs> Hungry Jack's chips are fuckloads better than McDonald's chips, man. Mm, don't know about that. I prefer, I don't like the thicker chips. I, I, like, a, really? I like French fries. French fries are like shit, fries. man. How old are you, four? <laughs> <laughs> at heart, yes. I'm a kid at heart. French like my French fries. The problem is like Macca's chips, once they've, if it takes you more than 10 minutes to get home, they're shit. They're shit cold, Macca's chips. Oh, yeah, absolutely they are. <laughs> but, but they're great hot. Uh, final question here, Ryan Dunlap. <laughs> I completely forgot that Ali Borden was in this. Is there a guest star that you forget played a character on The Simpsons? I, well, I don't know yet because I haven't, I haven't come across them. I didn't realise yeah. Alec Borden was in this one. I don't think I even remember watching this one when it first aired. Uh, the one that's caught me by surprise the most was last season when we did uh, Albert Brooks. When we found that. That's right, yeah. I just... I cannot believe people don't talk about that character more often. I thought he was hilarious in that episode, but I'm um, guest starring. Oh, not not really. Like sometimes I come across and go, oh, didn't know they did a Simpsons episode. Oh, like like for example, Liam Neeson. I I thought he did a really true. good job in the Father Son the Holy Guest Star. But if you had asked me last week or before we did that review, do you know Liam Neeson was on the Simpsons? I would have gone, I don't think he was. <laughs> mm. And I do a Simpsons podcast, so I think I know. I think I know a thing or two about the Simpsons. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the <laughs> questions, guys. We do appreciate it. We'll get to. 
or more of your questions in the coming weeks, don't forget to follow us at Four Finger Pod, or you can send your questions to simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. I'd like more questions to come through to the mailbag. So simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. If you've got a spare moment this week, chuck us a question. I'd love to hear from you. Or we've just got a kind message or a hateful message. You've just got a message in general. Send it to us. We'd like to know we're not just... Yelling out into the void. Yeah. Don't forget to also please continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you find this, just check us five stars. If you leave a, a few kind words as well, that would be great. Helps us with the um, the algorithm of iTunes. We are the <laughs> highest rated podcast on iTunes, Simpsons Podcast. Very impressive, you guys, for all your hard work for getting us up there. We're well over 1,300 ratings now, so thank you so much for supporting us in that way. And as we always say, if you do have... Uh, spare dollar do or two in your pocket we would love for you to show your support for this show uh, by becoming a patron we do give back so so much in return not just early access but a bunch of exclusive podcasts you get the facebook group you got zoom chats every month with guy myself prize draws and so much more it's you know, for as little as one single dollar we do so you can do that the link is in the description of this podcast patreon.com slash forefinger discount you know, we bring you this show. We've got Talking Seinfeld, Going Down to South Park, the one about friends. If you haven't checked out any of those shows, please do so. The The downloads are increasing by 200% each week on that. So thank you so much, guys, for everyone Whoa. to everyone who has checked out those ones. So Going Down to South Park, Talking Seinfeld, the one about friends. If you haven't checked them out yet, please do so. I guarantee you're going to enjoy it. This has been the Bonfire of the Manatees. Mr. Davis, the next episode we're going to be reviewing here on Four Finger Discount is titled The Girl Who Slept Too Little. We've also got some pretty exciting guest stars coming up in the coming weeks as well. So we'll announce those on Twitter and Facebook in the coming weeks. Any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Mr. Dando, was this a snuggle podcast? Shh.